You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer.
look at your other neighbor and say, what's in your heart? Matthew chapter 5, thank you, Mike. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8. Jesus, the greatest teacher that ever walked the earth, was in, walked up to the Mount of Olives. He was a rabbi in Israel. He was a teacher of the law. And Jesus said something very interesting that nobody in his time had ever said before. When he gave what we know as the Beatitudes, he looked, Stephen, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Someone say pure in heart. Pure in heart. And then it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You remember we preached on the kingdom of heaven last spring. Caleb, you're here, right? We preached on the kingdom. And the Spirit of God put in my heart and says, I want you to preach on the heart. I said, why well, on the heart? He said, because for you to enter into the kingdom of God, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless your heart is in the right place. So the kingdom of God is an unshakable kingdom. You see what's going on now in the governments of the world. You look at France, their government is unshaken. You look at the United States, people think in 2016 that the government could get stronger, could get worse. But you know that there is the possibility of governments being shaken. Everything can be shaken. You look back to ancient Rome, no one thought that Imperial Rome could be shaken, but it was shook. You look at Greece, no one thinks that Alexander the Empire, uh, the Great Empire could be shook, but it was shook. You look at Egypt, every single empire has been shaken, and it's just a matter of time before the United States is shaken. I love my country, but the fact of the matter is, nothing is unshakable unless it's the kingdom of God. And when Jesus came to the earth, he preached the message of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is God's rule over the earth. It's God's right ways of doing things. Can I get an amen? amen? And Jesus says, if you want to be a part of my eternal kingdom, he said, the kingdom is now. Which means that Israel was expecting the kingdom of God to come with pomp and circumstances. Expecting Jesus to come and dethrone the uh, Caesar, set up his kingdom in Israel. But Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. In other words, it's going to come small. You're not going to be able to see it. Instead of it coming in much power, like all the kings of the earth come, it's going to show up real tiny and real small. And you may not be able to see it upon the earth until it starts to produce fruit in people's hearts and in people's lives. And the way you'll be able to see the kingdom of God is when you look at somebody and you see evidence of the kingdom inside of their heart. So you say, where's the kingdom? Is it in France? No. Is the kingdom of God in China? Is the kingdom of God in the United States? Is the kingdom of God in Alaska? Is it in Russia? Where's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God today is inside of people's hearts. So, Steve, for the kingdom of God, you to enter it, your heart has to be pure. Someone say pure. pure. See, look what it says here. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse number 20, he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll no wise enter the kingdom. And he said, Well, what's that mean? And then people came along and they accused Jesus. They said, well, Who is this guy teaching about the heart? You know, Jesus, you teach different stuff. You're trying to overthrow the law. And Jesus says, don't think that I've come to overthrow the law. He said, I didn't come and do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. I can't get into what the law is. You know, Bible scholars in here. Picture the law of Moses is a pitcher of water. 
And you have the scribes and the Pharisees teaching it, but it's only half full. They were very rigid teachers. And let me, uh, this is powerful, I want you to catch this. Do you know what the problem of the scribes and the Pharisees was? Is they were technical. <coughs> and when you become concerned in your life to boiling down your relationship with God to a technicality, you become mechanical. And the Holy Spirit is not mechanical. Now watch this, now watch this. When you become technical and mechanical in your relationship with God, do you know what you lose? You lose the presence of God. Do you say, what are you talking about? Picture if you were in a relationship with a guy or a girl. You want, as a female, you say, I want a man whose heart is for me. But what if his relationship with you was just about technicalities? Dude, I sent you flowers on Valentine's Day, but they were bad flowers. Well, you know, I got you a nice gift, but it didn't come from the heart. You know, females, you want it to come from the heart, right? And Jesus was saying, the problem with your relationship with me is that you are teachers of the law, but what you do for God is not coming from your heart. It's just coming from your piety, but not your spirit. Are you seeing this? Are you getting ready for this tonight? And so if it's like a picture, Jesus came along as a rabbi who had permission to revise the law. And do you know what he did? He filled it up to the top by teaching the law to his highest degree of interpretation and saying that your relationship to God is not just about what you do technically. It's about your position of your heart while you're doing what you are doing. But do you know what the enemy has done to our churches today? Someone asked me, they said, how come 20 years ago, I came out of a move of God in Pensacola, Florida. I would come to the church and sit seven hours crying before God's presence. We would leave the church, go into the restaurant, Denny's or whatever restaurant they had nearby. And I would sit in the booth and cry. And then push my, take my plate of food and push it away and cry. Because the presence of God was so strong in my life. I would go home, close my door, and when my parents told me to go to bed, I would get on my knees and find myself waking up, having fallen asleep in prayer because I was seeking God. Anybody ever had that before? I went to my principal in high school. Only 16 years of age, I said, Pastor Tim, I want to put a big tent outside and I want to preach the gospel. He said, what? I said, I in the parking lot, we're going to put a tent, and I want to tell everybody about Jesus. He says, you need to just chill out, man. Go to Bible school or something. We ain't preaching. Just, you're crazy. Are you crazy? No, I ain't crazy. God has, God loves crazy people. All right? God loves crazy people. So I'm crazy enough to be saved. Amen. That's how much I love God. But what has happened in the church and why there's no power? It's that... Now it has become a matter of let's do the right things and it doesn't matter why we're doing those things. So you say, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I give 10%. I come, I show up, I serve. 
I come in play piano, I come in and clean the church on Saturday mornings, I come and do these things, and do you know what's going on? We are boiling our relationship down to what we do instead of why we are doing it. And the problem is when you do things because it's the right thing to do, and you're not doing it because it's what your heart is telling you, you want to serve God out of love, do you know what starts happening? You start forming a hard heart inside your life. Do you know why I don't sleep around? Do you know why I go to church? Do you know why? It's because the heart of you is made up of something called convictions. Are you hearing me tonight? So it comes down to this. What pleases God most is not about what you do for Him, although works are important. What pleases God the most, Caleb, is when He sees you do what you're doing for Him. If you're doing it, out of the right heart. My nephew came up to me, he's four years old, just a little guy, just a little guy, just tiny guy, can't give me nothing big. I walk into the house and he sees me and he smiles real big. Big old giant grin, and he walks up to me and he hands me his toy. He says, this is for you. I said, this is for me, it's the Steve Puff Marshmallow Man. What am I gonna do with the Steve Puff Marshmallow Man? I don't play with toys. And he said to me, where are you going? I said, uncle has to go to work. He goes, you're always working. So you know what I do? I come back and I play with him. He asked me his toy. This means nothing to me, a toy. I'm not going to go play with a toy. But you know what he told me? His heart loves me. Blessed are the pure in heart. Do you know when he handed me that toy, what I did? I said, oh gosh. To your father, you know this. I said, I got, I got 10 minutes. <laughs> I got 10 minutes, turn to 15, turn to 20, turn to, I'll be late. <laughs> Blessed is my nephew because he's pure in heart, and because he's pure in heart, he gets to see his uncle. Do you know when you do something with the right heart, God says, your sacrifice, your prayer, your offering, the thing you give me, it, ah, Jesus, this is what I'm saying. It may, it may not be a lot in your hands. $20,000 offering may not be a lot, a lot. Giving your time to help the poor may not be a lot. But guess what? When you do it with a pure heart, the Father looks and says, whoa, 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 whoa. He did it with the right heart. It may not be right, but he did it with the right heart. Guess what? I'm going to reveal myself to you. Are you listening to me tonight? I'm going to reveal myself. And even though you may not have it perfect and you may not have it right, God said he does it with the right heart. He loves me. He looks at the angels in heaven and says, hey, Michael, Gabriel, guess what? He loves me. And because of that, ah, Jesus, I will reveal myself to that person. Wow, well, you walk into a church and you don't see the presence of God. You don't see God moving. You don't see people getting and delivered and saved. You don't see people getting touched in their lives, being transformed. They're not seeing God. It tells me, listen, it tells me there is a heart problem. It's time for the leadership in the body of Christ to say, forget what we have. Let's turn our hearts back to Jesus. I'm preaching by the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm preaching by the Spirit of God. Someone say amen. It's not about talent. It's not about gifting. It's not about ability. It's not about anything that you can conceive on your own. It's about saying, God, listen to my spirit. Someone said, I've never this preaching. This is old time preaching, being moved by God. I'm not even going by my notes tonight. I spent eight hours putting my sermon in the night preaching. 
your heart being right before God. So write this down if you're taking notes tonight. What is the heart? First Thessalonians chapter 4, 23 says, I want you to turn it tonight. Someone say, you don't preach out the Bible. I have almost a master's degree in theology. I know the Bible. It said, may God bless you, spirit, soul, and body. Now, when you see people in life, there's a friend of mine who told me during Christmas, what is wrong with me? I said, your ugly face. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I that's something I'm saying. I said, but beside that, I don't know. Tell me what's your problem. He said, I have a good paying job. He said, I make $80,000 a year. It's good. She's like, it's good, amen. Who's my boss to get over that? He ran my boss on that. Just make sure you die now. And he said, uh, I got a pretty girlfriend. I said, well, what power do you, brother? But they have a pretty girlfriend. I want an ugly girlfriend. You know? But they said the ugly girls won't leave you. You know, they're cool for me, but they ain't going to leave you. That old song, if you want a happy wife and an ugly woman, you know. I love him, boy. I have a pretty girlfriend. I have a good paying job. I have a, he told me what type of car he had. He said, I have a BMW. He said, well, Chris, my life. I said, well, give him, take that BMW and just give me the keys. We'll see how much money. Why is my life so meaningless? And this is what I told him. Jesus said, show me your treasure and I'll show you where your heart is at. I said, your life does not have purpose to it because your heart is serving the wrong things. So watch this. Meaninglessness produces depression. And meaninglessness is a result of an abundance of pleasing yourself. Do you catch that tonight? Meaninglessness does not come from a lack of pleasure. It comes from abundance of pleasure. And when you have spent everything you can find on trying to fulfill your life with something, you buy the latest iPhone, you buy the latest MacBook, you buy all these cool things, and you keep filling your life with more and more and more. You start to dawn on your rationale. Guess what? That's not going to be enough. I may get the nicest house in Bora Bora, or whatever it may be. I'm still not going to be happy. So when you see a person who is depressed and living a meaningless life, you know that tells me their heart is in the wrong place. And until, look at me, until they are willing to change the position of their heart, they will remain in that depression. Until, oh, you're not hearing me tonight. Until they say, I'm tired of my heart trying to serve selfishness and trying to serve my heart. As long as my heart stays here, my life is not going to make sense. But if I give my heart over to surrender to Jesus, my heart is going to get happy and filled with meaning. I'll never let Jesus go. Because you said, why? Because I know the price of not following Jesus. When you go to bed, you may not have all the money. You may not have everything that your flesh wants. But my God, 
It's not your flesh. Your heart is your inner man. Someone say the inner man. When I speak of the heart, what I'm referring to is your mind, your will, and the attachment it has to your emotions. Someone say my emotion. So the inner part of you that thinks, the inner part of you that feels, the inner part of you that knows, that has to do with your heart. Amen? There's a story that Jesus says in the scripture, and he talks about the rich young ruler. How many ever heard that story before? The rich young ruler. My God, I got all these notes. Yeah, I don't even know where to turn. Someone say the rich young ruler. I'm just going to quote it for you real quick. Jesus tells this story about a man that came to see him. And the problem with the man was that he not it was because he was rich. People think their story of the rich young ruler was because the rich young ruler was rich. Matthew chapter 19. Let's go there and read it for ourselves. Nothing wrong with being rich. What was it? See that just a second. Matthew chapter 19, verse number 17. It says here that a man says to Jesus, What good thing shall I do? Ah, oh, here we go now. Here we go now. He said, What good thing? What good thing? Someone say good thing shall I do to enter into the kingdom of God? Now here's the catch, sister of the time. When you have a lot of money, you have the potential to do a lot of good things. Am I right? Say, so, you know, you ever play the game, what would you do with a million dollars? I'd go buy a boat, I'd go get a helicopter, I'd give some money to the Detroit Rescue Mission, I'd give some money to my church, right? Do some good things with it, I would end world hunger. This rich man had all the money in the world. He said, what good thing can I do with my money to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus says, why do you call us be good? He said, and Jesus says, well, thou wilt enter into life if you keep my commands. And the man says in verse number 18, which commands? Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother. And the man says to him, yeah, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I lack? Because this man Inside of him, despite doing the good works, and good works you need to do. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is, he says, despite the good works, despite doing good things and doing good deeds, there is an emptiness in my heart. Can you please tell me, Jesus, what this emptiness is? Are you here tonight? And Jesus looked at him and says, if thou will be perfect, if you want to be have an encounter with me, take all your stuff and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. So some people read this verse and they say, well, you know, huh, you know what I mean? We should just sell all our stuff and give the poor. No, 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 that's not the point. Look what happened here. It says, but when the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus says, verily I say to you, that a rich man hardly entered the kingdom of heaven. And it's easier for the camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Let me tell you what the rabbi, Jesus, the Lord of the earth, the creator of all things, was saying. 
He was saying, you have just witnessed the problem with mankind, is that they can do good deeds, they can do everything up to a point, but when it comes to taking and giving what possesses their heart to me, people aren't able to do it. So we see in this scripture that when it comes to the heart, there are certain parts of everybody's heart that they do not want to surrender to God. And what Jesus was calling for was, if you want to enter into the kingdom, if you want to have eternal life, listen to me, this will transform you, this will touch your life. If you want to experience the presence of God in your life and find me, find the places that have hold of your heart and give those places to me and you will see me mature you and bring you forth into my kingdom. So when I saw this, I said, God, what places in my heart don't you have? Write this down if you're taking notes tonight. Jesus, my God, you want the experience and may the presence of God in your home. But Tim, you want to experience everything God has for you. You give before him. And you say, man, I have
The message of the gospel is simply this. You die to yourself and he raises you up to the living with him. Now, the greatest, right? This is my greatest time. I'm going to pray for people. Write this down. You're going to get transformed in your heart. I want you to catch this. If you look over your life, your greatest prosperity are not the things that God added to you. Yes. It are the things that you died to. Yeah, hallelujah. Oh, Glory to God. Yes, Lord. I look back, I say, God, show me my prosperity. Was it the time that you gave me my job at Art Van Furniture? I asked for $11 an hour and I made eleven thirty-eight hours. Is that it? Thank God I moved past eleven thirty-eight an hour. Amen. That wasn't it. Do you know what it was? I was seeking God. God came into me. He says, You want me to show you the secret of life? He said, I said, Yeah. He said, Keep yourself pure. And don't sleep around. Save yourself from marriage. Die to that desire. God came in and said, you want to want me to show you the secret to life? Yeah, God, I want to show you the secret to life. That arrogance you've been displaying? Yeah? Die it. You want me to show you some more prosperity? Yeah, Jesus. One more thing's going to have to die in life. You don't have the desire that you have in me on TV? Yeah? Die it! I don't want to die to that, God. You start dying to these things. And guess what starts happening? Jesus starts becoming real to you. You write this down if you're taking notes. To walk into the kingdom requires the cross. And for you to experience the power of God in your life requires you to die to every desire that opposes following Jesus. So watch this. I have never, oh, this is powerful, this is powerful. I have never seen a deliverance happen when the person in need of deliverance refuses to die to what they need to be delivered from. Someone say, Brother Palmer, I'm, 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 I'm going insane. Pray for me. No, 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 no. I'm going to pray for you. But I need to know, are you willing to die to it? Remember the point where I'm addicted. I'm addicted to drugs. And God has mercy and compassion on you. But are you willing to die to this addiction? Because when your heart gets to the place where it says, are you still following me tonight? When your heart gets to the place where it says, I cannot, I cannot. You know what some of the things people have to die to the most to get free and delivered is your heart has to finally give up being angry at God. I know what happens when tragedy strikes our lives. When we don't understand something, we look at God and we say, God, why do you let this happen to my life? Or somebody who's trusted comes into your life and does something to you 
that causes you to never want to trust again. You say, you know, I trusted that aunt or uncle of mine, but they molested me. I trusted my boyfriend, but he raped me. I trusted this, but he did this bad to me. You made me here tonight, you've been molested, you've been sexually abused, you lost somebody tragically in your life, and you have a been stung by a million bees inside your heart and it's caused you to seek things to try and fill it up. Are you here tonight? You go looking for this party and go looking for that party and go looking for this and you know what God says? You will not get free until you're willing to forgive. Husbands and spouses, people that have wives, you will not be able to grow You don't understand what they do. When I counsel people, you know what the first thing I say to the people that come in? I say, this is the number one rule here. Are we willing to forgive? Are we willing to admit what we've done wrong and then forgive each other? Because if you're not willing to do that, we're not going to get it. And when I say, are you willing to forgive? Do you know what I'm saying? Are you willing to die to the bitterness? A free person you ever see people that just need to see Jesus Christ inside that person? Men have had faces. They might not have it all together in their life. Okay, go with me to Luke 10. Let me show you this. 
Will you say, Jesus, Jesus, you have my heart. I'm going to be done in just a minute. I promise you, I'm going to be done. We're going to be out of here in just a few minutes. Can you give me 10 more minutes? Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. Jesus was talking about how to follow him. This is what it says. Look at it. Listen, real quick, real quick. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Same question. He said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He said, thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Jesus says, thou hast answered rightly. This do and thou shalt live. And the man says, and who's my neighbor? Now, who's my neighbor? Now, catch this. Look, 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 look. Are you here with me still? Say, I'm with you. Yes, I can. The man said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He says, love everybody. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the man said to Jesus, the fact that he just told this man to do that, the man would have heard, I'm not doing this. And the man says, I'm loving everyone. And the man says, who's my neighbor? Do you know what this means? The Jews at that time did not believe they had to love anybody else but Jews. Racist. They believed that if there was somebody that was dying, they didn't have to help that person out if they were not Jewish. The man said, I've done this and helped all my Jewish brothers. And the man said, well, who's my neighbor? You know what Jesus said? Just what he said. Jesus was bad, man. I'm telling you what, he was off chain. He says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up. And by chance there came down a certain priest. And when he saw the hurt man, he passed by on the other side. A priest, a Jewish priest, he's a Jewish brother, laying in a ditch and walks past him. Then it says, a Levite, this would be like his assistant. When he was at the place, he came and looked at him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed where he was, when he saw him, had compassion, went to him, bound him up his wounds, poured oil and wine, set him on his own piece and brought him into the inn and took care of him. And when the morrow came, he took out two coins, gave it to the host and says, take care of him. And whatever thou spendest when I come, I'll repay him. Now, Jesus says, who's the neighbor here? This is the point. Two priests will go from Jericho to Jerusalem because the temple in Jerusalem, because most priests lived in Jericho at that time, and the temple was in Jerusalem. They were on their way to preach. On their way to preach the gospel. Preach. They're just people going on their way to preach. Taking their hired money on their horse, and they look in the ditch, and there's a man who's a brother, and he's beat up, and he's tore up, and the priest says, I ain't got time. I got more important things to do. Next man comes. Another Levite, he looked at the man and says, Ah, he's just a bomb. I got more important things to do. But the Bible says, the Bible says, look up here, the Bible says a Samaritan came. Do you know Samaritans were the most despised people in all of Israel? Do you know what the story would be equivalent of saying today? Watch this. This is what the story would be like saying. There was a family that didn't have much money on their way home from church when their car ran out of gas. The kids didn't have good clothes. They were the lowest society. And the senior pastor of their church comes driving along and looks and sees that they're in need of fuel when he keeps on going. And then after the senior pastor goes, then all of a sudden the youth pastor comes driving by and sees these people, brothers and sisters in Christ, and they need help. But because it's not required because we're under grace. He keeps on going. Then an atheist drives by who has no covenant with God. 
he sees this person who's a Christian in need of gas, and the atheist stops and says, what can I do for you? And the atheist says, oh, guys, I need gas. The atheist says, get in the car, I'm driving, I'm going to pay for your gas. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write you a check for your car. The atheist? Who has no covenant with God? Do you know what? The point of the story is, the point of the story is simple. In order to follow Jesus, you have to have a heart that is willing to be inconvenienced. A heart that is willing to be committed. You have certain convictions of your heart that say, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to be committed you've heard the light of today connect with us go to our website lightoftoday.org write us at p.o box 403 walled lake michigan 48390 or tweet chris palmer at twitter.com forward slash chris palmer our podcasts are free and updated regularly so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with chris palmer